Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. What are some easy ways we can better our commercial pilot maneuvers? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com, and you are listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school. You can check out groundschoolacademy.com to learn more. You all know that we have the big LMS learning management system launch coming out here very soon. So excited. So many of you uh, listening to this or watching this, we do this as a video as well. Uh, have perhaps already RSVP'd. So we're just so uh, thankful and so excited to have you all on board with that. Really looking forward to it. And one thing I want to share with you all a little bit today is I want to share about how do we improve these new to us commercial pilot flight maneuvers. Because there's a lot of the same. There's steep turns to a higher standards, short field, soft field to higher standards. There's power off 180s, which I would argue, yes, this is the first time. I was actually just talking about this on a webinar. This is probably the first time you've done power off 180s in the sense of being graded on the ACS. Uh, but as a private pilot, you did power off 180s. You just didn't call them that. You just called it an engine failure in the traffic pattern on the downwind and you turn and you land the first third of the runway and life is good. But it didn't have that, that name, Power Off 180, nor did it have the pass-fail consequences as strongly as we do when we move towards the commercial pilot certificate. We have plus 200 feet on that, minus zero. Uh, landing on center line, by the way, uh, with no drift, no side loading. I was just reading the ACS yesterday, and it's... There's a lot, it's a full page in the ACS of everything that needs to happen just right to make that power off 180 successful. So that's an exception. But then there's really three other maneuvers that shine through because you've probably never had an opportunity to demonstrate such unless you had a CFI who was all about going above and beyond with you uh, to help you. Those are eights on pylons, chandelles, and lazy eights. I want to really work through each of these and explain. Some of these have more real-world applicability than others. Some, like eights on pylons, I, I struggle. Someone asked me probably two or three weeks ago on a webinar, Jason, what's the real world? You're all about teaching real world. What's the real-world applicability of eights on pylons? And I, for once, I was stumped. I'm thinking, there's not, there's not a whole lot of real-world applicability, but it's important to still know and demonstrate because it is so different. Let's just dive into it now. It is so different than say, turns around a point. As a private pilot with turns around a point, I'm trying to maintain the same distance all the way around my point and what am I using to do that? I'm using bank angle to do that. So as the wind's blowing me towards my point, I shallow out that bank so I don't drift in too closely. As the wind is on the other side, 180 degrees, as the wind is pushing me away, I steepen my bank and I just use bank angle to maintain a nice uh, symmetrical circle, the same distance all the way around my point. And I do my best to maintain my altitude throughout that as well. Now, when we jump into something like eights on pylons, with eights on pylons, 
There's a little bank component to it, but not as much as there would be in turns around a point. Instead, you're using something called pivotal altitude. And you use your pivotal altitude to fly the same distance, still the same distance, just a different way to measure our distance, all the way around two points in this case in a figure eight. Let me explain now. Were you ever, as a kid, did you ever have one of those airplanes on a string? Meaning, you hold the handle and there's a string that goes all the way out to the airplane and you'd spin it around and the airplane would fly. You'd keep spinning and spinning and that's and keep swinging your arm and that's how the airplane would fly. That's exactly what we're doing with eights on pylons. You are the airplane on the string. You see, as a kid, when you're spinning that airplane on a string, if you go a little bit slower, right? We slow down, that airplane kind of comes down, it, des it descends a little bit, but the distance from us never changes because the airplane's on a string, how could it change? Now, we speed up the process, we tighten up those turns, the airplane goes much higher, right? And tightens up those turns. That essentially is pivotal altitude. The airplane's distance from us, it never changes. We're attached with a string, let's say. That's what we're trying to accomplish with eights on pylons, to be that airplane on a string and to work through it with that. Now, a big key component to your success with eights on pylons is point selection. We can't pick points that are too close together we can't pick points that are too far away. What the ACS actually says is there should be, our points should be far enough apart, yet close enough, that when we roll out, we have a time period where we actually are able to roll out wings level. I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what it says, that we're able to roll out and be wings level for a moment before rolling to the next turn. You shouldn't just be rolling back to back into the next one. Your points are too close if that's the case. You also shouldn't be flying straight and level for probably more than 60 seconds. Your points are too far apart then, and even 60 seconds, I'd argue, is gonna feel like forever. Realistically, you should only be straight and level for 15 to 30 seconds tops, probably. I had to guess. Again, eights on pylons. Treat it, first off, eights on, when you know you're doing eights on pylons, calculate pivotal altitude on the ground. There's a formula for calculating pivotal altitude. Calculate pivotal altitude on the ground. Write it down at its, at your, at its height and at its low point. So with the wind, and against the wind, headwind and tailwind, because pivotal altitude is all based on your ground speed. You know your ground speed, you know your pivotal altitude. You need to calculate your high pivotal altitude and your low pivotal altitude, and it all has to do with your ground speed. When I was working on my commercial pilot certificate and then CFI after that, I would write all this sort of stuff down, have it on my kneeboard, so I knew the high and the low pivotal altitude specifically for eights on pylons. And rather than using bank, I am using altitude to help me maintain that same distance. It's one of the cooler things you can do, uh, actually, uh, as far as a ground reference maneuver goes. Next, we have chandelles. Now, chandelles, I strongly believe, have a very, very strong real-world component to them. A chandelle is a high-performance climbing turn. 
it's actually the FA words as a maximum performance climbing turn. So let me be very specific with that. I see a chandelle as I flew into a canyon or a, there's some nasty weather, whatever it is, and I need to get out and up, right? So with a chandelle, it's not, it's not easy, nor is it complex though either. I am looking to get the most performance out of my aircraft. So how I typically set up a chandelle is I wanna turn into the wind. So I will fly with the wind perpendicular to me. Usually I'm flying and the wind is a direct crosswind from my left is how I typically structure that. So the wind's off from my left. I smoothly apply full power. I roll into that as I'm pitching up. I'm also banking, kind of working through that, and I'm riding the wind up. Think of the wind as the staircase I want to ride on up, right? So I am working to kind of ride that wind on up, maximize that. I also want to minimize my footprint across the ground because if this is truly flying into a canyon, well, I, I don't want to continue moving forward. I want to, I want to stay just out as put as I can below me as far as my ground track grow, goes and just climb kind of straight on up. So into the wind, if you have wind in a canyon, that could be challenging. But when we're practicing this, we want to be into the wind as much as possible, into the wind, up, up, and up. And then as you roll out 180 degrees in the opposite direction, you should be just about to kiss the stall warning horn. As soon as that you take out that last little bit of bank, you should hear just the tiniest little chirp from the stall warning horn, and that is success in a chandelle because it is a maximum performance climbing turn. What that means is you need to squeeze every little bit of energy out of that airplane to make that climb actually work. Every little bit of energy you need to work to pull out of that airplane all the way to the point where at the very, very last second when the maneuver is almost over, the stall warning horn just happens to chirp. That's when you know you nailed it regarding a, uh, a chandelle. Chandelle's most important thing, knowing where the wind is at. Really, all of these, all three of these say are so important to know where the wind is at. We'll end with talking about lazy eights. Honestly, one of my favorite maneuvers to practice is the lazy eight. Instructor always said to me, it's like, uh, you know, kind of like you're painting across the sky, broad brush strokes, kind of like an, an artist brush, working your way across and through the sky. And what we're doing with a lazy eight is we're really taking the airplane through its paces, using bank and using pitch to achieve pretty darn close to a stall, to achieve pretty darn close to pushing into the yellow arc and kind of taking the airplane through all its paces. One of the most important, don't confuse eights on pylons and lazy eights are two totally different maneuvers. Lazy eights are done well up at altitude. With lazy eights, my goodness, point selection here is so important because it's also very hard to see your points sometimes. I've, I've been silly in the past and used points like clouds and stuff, and it's so hard to differentiate between which clouds which and everything. What I typically tend to do, and most CFIs will allow this, what I typically tend to do is I'll choose my points and I'll also use compass headings to back me up. Because I gotta be honest with you, when I'm at my 45 degree point and I'm kind of slicing that nose up, achieving some just about maximum pitch, everything else, I can't see my point out there on the ground that I picked that smokestack or that fire or that lake. I can't see those points anymore. 
It's important to pick them, but it's also important to know where they would fall on the actual heading indicator so you know where that is at. Lazy eights, very, very fun maneuver. Uh, again, a lot of these are hard to describe uh, to you via a podcast, most certainly. We have videos on each of these on YouTube and, of course, inside the online ground school so you can see them. But it just goes to show you there's there are some different maneuvers that we're accomplishing as a commercial pilot. And everything else is still fair game, right? There, there's still the basics of my short fields and my soft fields. We add power off 180s, my normal landings, my go arounds. Never let someone tell you that a commercial pilot certificate is a glorified private pilot certificate because nothing could be further from the truth. Commercial is hard. And if you choose to stop there, it'll be the hardest one you do. If not, CFI will be next after that. It just gets progressively more difficult. Then go do ATP, right? It just, it gets progressively more challenging and you're just held to a higher and higher standard. But I, 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 listen, you wouldn't listen to this podcast if you weren't in the business of pursuing mastery. So I know nothing is too hard for you all with that. Even if you're a, like I was back in the day, always thinking ahead and looking ahead. I, I would have been a private pilot listening to the Commercial Pilot Podcast because I knew I wanted to be one one day. You know, we have four podcasts, the Private Pilot Podcast, the Instrument Pilot Podcast, the Commercial Pilot Podcast, and of course, the CFI Certificated Flight Instructor Podcast as well. Just so much great content out there for you all to continue to better yourself. You know, a good pilot is always learning isn't just a catchy trademark slogan. It is something to truly live by. That's the honest truth. Uh, M Zero Nation, you are such a blessing to us. Thank you for making this one of the most listened to podcasts uh, in, uh, in the iTunes library. It's just absolutely outstanding. Hope you listen to the CFI podcast as well. Hope you're checking us out uh, on Facebook. I hope, honestly, you're in the M0A Nation Facebook group as well. You want to talk about some like-minded individuals pursuing mastery, that is a place to be. Check out the M0A Nation Facebook group. Well, listen, everybody. Thank you for your time. Have a wonderful rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you.